0: G'day and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national union news program bringing you workers' stories and discussion on social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast right around the country thanks to the Community Radio Network. I'm Matt Kunkel. This week on the show we feature the story of two strikes. We speak first with the Secretary of the Sydney branch of the Maritime Union about the mobilisation of workers in Sydney this week, before crossing to Melbourne where we speak with Early Childhood Educator and President of the Victorian branch of United Voice about their intentions to walk off the job in support of their demands for equal pay. But first, some union news. New Prime Minister Scott Morrison threatened the CFM-MEU with deregistration this week, responding to a tweet by John Secker, the Victorian secretary of the Construction and General Division of that union. The now-deleted tweet had a special Father's Day message for the new head of the ABCC, Stephen McBurney, and included a picture of John's children holding a sign with some colourful language. The crux of Setka's message was that the ABCC should spend more time chasing actual criminals instead of busting unions, a message most unionists would strongly agree with. Scott Morrison however, in a series of interviews with right-wing shock jocks, decried the involvement of children in such a protest, saying that it was the straw that broke the camel's back. In an interview with Alan Jones, Morrison said that involving children in this way was one of the ugliest things he'd seen. This is the very same Alan Jones who just two weeks ago used the N-word to describe a federal politician during the liberal leadership debacle. But the hypocrisy of the Prime Minister is also clearly on show. During his time as Immigration Minister, Scott Morrison locked children in offshore detention prisons, denying them proper medical treatment and championed turning their boats back to sea, or worse yet, towing them back to dangerous parts of the world. Yet if one unionist has their kids hold up a sign, he reverts to his default position of, ''Won't someone please think of the children?'' Morrison indicated that he will speak with the new IR minister, Kelly O'Dwyer, about possible legislation to deregister the union. His moves in coming out against the union so quickly is a demonstration of his inability to find anything other than a hatred of working people in unions to unite his fractured party. August 31 was Equal Pay Day, marking the number of extra days since the end of the last financial year that women must work to make up the difference between their annual wages and the average wages of men. This year, unions and other groups have indicated that this is an additional 62 days. Analysis of the latest statistics on average weekly earnings conducted by the Workplace Gender Equality Agency suggests that the national gender pay gap is 14.6% for full-time employees. This is a difference of $244.80 per week. While $245 a week is bad enough, the gender pay gap is most pronounced in the medical sector where women are earning up to $300,000 a year less than their male counterparts in some occupations like cardiologists and neuroscientists. The gender pay gap not only has immediate effects, but exacerbates the growing divide in the superannuation savings of men and women. Time out of the workforce and significantly lower ongoing earnings is seeing women retire with on average $113,000 less than men, which among other social challenges is leading to women over 55 being the fastest growing demographic reporting housing insecurity and homelessness. While the results reflect the lowest gender pay gap in 20 years, the fact that women must work on average an additional two months just to catch up to the average earnings of men is nothing to celebrate. The indefinite strike by West Australian workers at aluminium multinational Alcoa is entering its fifth week. The workers are striking after 21 months of negotiations with the company failed to secure a new agreement. The roughly 1,600 workers work across three different refineries and two bauxite mines. Regular listeners may remember that Alcoa was at the centre of another large dispute over the MV Portland, which was the ship that transported alumina from the operations in the West to to the aluminium smelter in Victoria. When they replaced Australian seafarers on the MV Portland with lower paid international seafarers, it led to the longest ever sit-in strike and occupation of a vessel in Australian history. This time, co have adopted what is becoming the preferred strategy of militant bosses, and has applied to terminate the enterprise agreement, threatening workers with a return to minimum paying conditions of the award, wiping away decades of union struggle. A large crowd of workers descended on the West Australian offices of Alcoa last week demanding that the company return to the table and drop its attempts to terminate the agreement. But the company is so far refusing, instead seeking to wait until its most recent offer is voted on by members in a ballot, the results of which are scheduled to be announced on Thursday the 6th of September. The battle is a significant one for the Australian Workers' Union, with the 1,600 workers at these sites representing more than one in five of the union's entire membership in that state. ACTU Secretary Sally McManus visited the sites last week pledging the ACTU's support for their campaign. A call for solidarity and financial support has gone out to union members all across the country. If you'd like to donate, head to www.australianunions.org.au and follow the links to the fund. The Australian Education Union are stepping up their campaign against the federal Liberal government and have launched a week of action, warning Prime Minister Morrison and Education Minister Dan Tehan not to do special deals over Catholic school funding. The union's campaign will target 18 marginal seats around the country, including the Queensland seat of Dixon, where recent Liberal leadership contender Peter Dutton holds the seat on a margin of less than 2%. Activists will take to public school gates, speaking to parents and raising awareness about the issues. And there's also been a significant spend on billboard advertising in targeted areas. The Catholic schooling sector is also putting pressure on the government, complaining that it should restore the funding cut in the previous budget. Both public and Catholic schools, however, are united on the need for more funding to education generally, with more than $1.9 billion cut from the forward estimates in the last budget. The difficult political question for the federal government to answer will be who gets what and when. No doubt we'll hear more about it in the lead up to the next election. In international news, New Zealand's bus drivers, working for a number of different companies have gone on strike, picketing depots all around the nation. Action has been escalating over the past month as bus drivers raise issues similar to those at the centre of Victoria's recent bus disputes. Drivers are organising against very long hours, poor workplace safety and low wages. Drivers at company GoBus have made further complaints that amenities for drivers in one depot are so bad that some drivers are forced to use buckets for toilets. While the strike saw 22 different bus routes in Auckland cancelled, services in Hamilton were continued by the use of scab labour, including GoBus's CEO and other senior management. Further industrial action is likely, and you can follow their campaign by searching for it on Facebook. Just look for Bus Fair. That's fair, spelled F-A-I-R.
1: You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around on the country every week we on the Community Radio the Network.
0: Thousands of workers are set to hit the streets of Sydney on Thursday the 6th of September after several unions endorsed a rally in support of a number of different demands. Construction and maritime workers have called for large contingents and while the abolition of the ABCC is peak amongst the demands pursued by the building industry unions, the Maritime Union is promoting the demonstration by focusing on its demand for a right to strike. We spoke with the Secretary of the Sydney branch of the Maritime Union, Paul McAleer, for more. Thanks for joining us, Paul.
2: No worries. You're very welcome. Glad to be talking to you guys down there. I love your program.
0: Oh, thanks. Um, On Thursday, the 6th of September, workers are set to hit the streets of Sydney. Can you give us a bit more detail about what led to this?
2: Well, it's been a regular feature of a number of unions campaign in the last two years to basically demonstrate to our membership and to the community at large that our right to strike is enshrined within our hearts and our ability to strike is only limited by our capacity and willingness to take it. So the CFMEU and the MUA and a number of construction unions, particularly led by the CFMEU, I've got to say, have been taking more and more militant action around the ABCC and its fundamentally anti-democratic and anti-working class nature. And the MUA have participated and have led a number of our own uh, right-to-strike campaigns and rallies and protests. The union movement is starting to recognize that the legislation and the way that it's crafted is basically limiting our ability to effectively achieve outcomes based on our ability to negotiate and for many workers who don't have industrial leverage it's becoming an impossible task so we're seeing greater and greater inequality we're seeing further attacks and erosion of our rights at work and it's becoming increasingly necessary to articulate our frustration on the streets
0: and I'd like to come back to that a little bit later on if we can. Different unions appear to be promoting the demo on Thursday in different ways. The construction unions have a particular focus on the ABCC. Why are the maritime workers getting involved?
2: Well, because one, they're our comrades and uh, any workers in struggle, you know, their struggle is our struggle. And we're, we've had a very long history of working side by side, with the construction workers, construction workers and maritime workers have always defended each other's position no matter what and will continue to do that in the future. We see the ABCC as fundamentally anti-democratic and anti-working class and therefore will fight against it anyway. But it is important for us to always demonstrate and, and show our solidarity to construction workers who have been right at the, the very front, um, in the front lines, in the trenches with us throughout our history
0: wage growth is at all-time lows. Can you expand on your earlier thoughts about how restrictive laws around industrial action are part of that problem?
2: Well, it's complicated in the sense that the nature of the industrial relations system itself is designed to eliminate uh, hostility. But it what it effectively does is removes and limits the capacity for workers to use their industrial leverage. Uh, and the and they're enshrined right, I've got to say, at an international level to withdraw their labour um, to a very confined bargaining period, uh, which makes it exceptionally difficult for workers who aren't organised to take action. Uh, And we've seen, as a consequence of that limitation, um, inequality uh, grow and grow and grow. It's It's exponential growth of inequality that we've seen, and it's absolutely linked to the limit or to the decrease of industrial action taken um, largely since the 1970s. We've seen industrial action plummet and we've seen equality plummet. So we've never seen greater amounts of inequality in our system at the very same time as we've never seen so little action being able to be taken by workers. And I'm sick to death of hearing conservative commentators suggest that that's because workers don't want to take action. We're being denied the ability to take action by very repressive and oppressive uh, industrial laws that unfortunately were passed by the Australian Labor Party. Uh, and the Liberals have not seen any case to change them um, because they're already extreme. When workers are fundamentally de- denied the right to organise, which they are, um, when workers are, are denied the right to uh, campaign by withdrawing their labour, I mean, what else? there's not much else you can do.
0: And there's been a lot of activity in New South Wales about winning the right to strike. Um, there's been previous demonstrations, previous rallies and forums and such. What do you think it would look like to win the right to strike? What, what does the victory look like?
2: Well, victory at the end of the day looks like justice. And victory looks like eliminating exploitation. And from my perspective, uh, there's been no greater weapon against inequality against exploitation and against the destruction of wages and conditions and our dignity at work than our ability to take strike action. Certainly not um, inside this country. Obviously, we've seen other workers uh, involve themselves in far more militant campaigns to achieve justice, um, including, you know, revolutionary class struggle, which has secured significant gains in outcomes for working-class people. But in this country, we have uh, created dignity, not just in our workplaces, but in our communities, through people taking strike action, whether it is limited or unlimited. But the right to strike and the taking of strike action has been one of the the cornerstone features of working class people achieving dignity inside their workplaces and in their homes and communities. And we've seen significant national outcomes like um, universal healthcare, universal education, superannuation, uh, and other significant outcomes for working-class people achieved through people breaking the law and achieved, through people, achieved by people through taking strike action.
0: At the moment, strike action is, as you say, very limited to a very small period of time and just about the industrial matters. Are you calling for a wider right to strike around political or eco- other economical issues?
2: Of course. Uh, democracy shouldn't be limited to... Uh, A small period after an agreement has been uh, expired. Workplace democracy, uh, social democracy, political democracy uh, can only occur when your freedom to manifest your collective views are exercised and because of the successful outcomes that striking has achieved not just for workers but in our communities and for socially progressive reforms we've seen those rights curtailed because of their success. So I call my position uh, and that of the MUA is that workers deserve the right to strike when they democratically choose to do so. And that means that um, where a workplace determines that it's in their collective interests to withdraw their labour around any issue they believe is essential to achieving their interests, then they should be allowed to do so.
0: And the day before this rally, we will see what is touted to be the country's largest ever walk-off of early childhood educators. Um, do you have a message for them?
2: Well, just my solidarity to you. I mean, we've seen these exploitative arrangements for um, these sectors of society, which are some of the most important. I mean, early childhood uh, educators would have to be one of the most important vocations that we have in our communities and yet they're exploited they're robbed of opportunities they're robbed of the ability to not only enjoy their work but for it to be properly resourced Um, and then to deny them um, dignity of employment I think is one of the great crimes uh, of modern capitalist societies that those workers that we tend to rely upon the most many are um, in female or um, women or migrant dominated industries uh, and they don't Uh, have the industrial leverage because they're they're committed to service and they're committed to education. What industrial leverage do they have? So that's been abused by successive governments and successive um, companies. And I think it's a real shame on our society that some of the lowest paid workers in our community have to resort to withdrawing their labour and losing wages um, in order to gain quality of uh, employment Um, to gain resources to carry out their work effectively uh, and to build conditions at work which justifies the work that they do for the community.
0: And, Paul, finally, if people in Sydney want to get down to the rally on Thursday, how do they find it and where is it?
2: Well, it's very, very easy, thankfully. Every train and bus in Sydney basically goes through to Central Station. Uh, We're asking um, workers to get down there for 1030 Um, And it's going to be a wonderful demonstration, I think, um, of working class people coming together in multiple um, different unions, multiple industries to say that we fundamentally deserve our rights at work uh, and we're going to fight as hard as is necessary in order to achieve them.
0: Paul, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together.
2: No worries at all. Thank you very much.
0: You're listening to Stick Together, broadcast right around the country on the Community Radio Network. That was Paul McAleer, Secretary of the Sydney branch of the MUA. And listeners in Sydney can join the rally by getting down to Belmore Park at 10.30am on Thursday the 6th of September. We turn now to the story of what's being touted as the nation's largest ever walk-off of early childhood educators. For some years now, early childhood educators have been campaigning for professional recognition and pay. Having had their equal pay case thrown out of the Fair Work Commission, they have instead continued to grow their action, walking off the job several times now. On Wednesday the 5th of September, thousands of early childhood educators, many of whom are earning very close to minimum wage, are set to take their demands for equal pay to the streets and parks around the country. For more information about their campaign, we spoke with early childhood educator and president of the Victorian branch of United Voice, Kerry DeVere. Kerry, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So on Wednesday, September 5, early childhood educators are going to be walking off the job. Can you tell us why you and the other educators are taking this action?
1: Look, we've taken this action before and we're taking it again on September the 5th and it's to let the government know and to let the community know that this is an important issue, not just for us but for the future of early childhood education and for the children and families of Australia, that we need quality early childhood education and care delivered to children and um, educators need to be paid a professional wage to do that important job.
0: And what are the barriers to getting that quality education and care and those increases to pay That you you want?
1: You know, look. The bottom line is that at the moment, uh, wages are dependent, I suppose, on parents paying fees, and that has always been an argument about why we are paid so low. But we now realise that the benefit to children for quality early childhood education and care. And for educators to be paid properly to deliver this important role, that the government needs to change the way they fund early childhood education and care, and they need to get serious about it being delivered long term and to every child in Australia.
0: So what are you calling on the government to do?
1: Look, we really want them to recognise that we need to be paid a professional wage. This work we do every day impacts on children. It can change a child's life. It can improve the quality of children's life. And it's the beginning of their education. It's not formal education in the way that the school system is, but it is still educating children and setting them up to be able to step into that education world of schools. And we need professionals there who are paid professionally. And we also need to attract people who want to come into this profession and do the work that is needed for children and families.
0: And you said at the very start there that this isn't the first time that you've walked off the job. Um, Can you tell us about the past times that you've walked off?
1: Look, you know, the Big Steps campaign has been about, you know, explaining to people that this isn't babysitting. We're not sitting around just watching children. And we've walked off before to engage with the community, to engage with families. Parents know the important work that we do and they see the the benefit for their children, but we need the broader community to get behind this um, so that we can continue the work that we do every day with children and families.
0: And what has the response been like from parents in the centres?
1: Look, most parents... And look... Practically all parents see the benefit. They are watching their children develop, they're seeing the input that we have when we um, support children's learning and understanding and help parents with the important role that they're doing which is raising children and the next generation of of, um, adults to come along. And so they're very behind us. Um, They see the need for this to continue. They don't want to lose educators, good educators, who decide to move on to other better paying jobs and who leave because they're not being recognized for the professional work they do. Families and parents don't want to see that happen. And so they are supporting us um, because they know the importance. And the wider community are, are seeing that too as we talk to them about it and engage with the community
0: walking off the job laying down tools so to speak and and taking strike actions the the strongest action workers can take do these repeated walk-offs show just how deeply felt these issues are to early childhood educators
1: you know there's there's a lot of talk around about how um, educators are passionate about what they do, but educators are very, very passionate about this, um, this need for professional wages, and we continue to walk off, and it's a really hard thing for us to do because we do impact on the children and the families, and none of us want to inconvenience families in the society, but you know, it's got to this point when governments won't engage with us and won't talk to us and won't realise the importance of continuing you know, quality for early childhood education. So, you know, we're really standing strong with this, and we are not going away, and we're not going to back down from from talking about this important issue.
0: As these walk offs continue, are they growing in numbers? Are there more and more people coming out into the streets each time?
1: Yes, they are, and and educators really struggle with this issue of um, of walking off and striking because we do see the impact that it has on children and families. But we realise now that we have to, and as we step up, you know, we, are, we have um, a quarter more educators walking off this time than last time earlier this year, and we're going to continue to grow, and our voice is going to get louder and louder until government sits down and talks to us and um, you know, realise the importance of this issue in the community for everybody.
0: Considering how important your jobs are, why do you think it is that you're paid so little?
1: Look, I think it's primarily because, number one, we are a female dominated workforce and that is historically um, a system that seems to happen in this country where female dominated workforces aren't paid as well. But also I think the idea that it it was considered um, as babysitting to people that don't really understand what we do in, in the past. But now there's evidence of the importance of what we do. We have a national quality framework that we work to and there's no doubting now the importance and the impact we have on children and families. So, um, you know, that's why it's historically been low, but it's now time for quality to continue and to be assured because we are losing too many educators who just decide that there are easier jobs to do for more money.
0: We've seen that low wages is an issue that's across the sectors at the moment or low wage growth is across the sectors at the moment. It's part of the ACTU's Change the Rules campaign to give workers the tools and equip them with the ability to, to bargain fairly. And one of that one of those tools is the right to strike. What you're doing tomorrow is technically illegal, isn't it?
1: Well, we're actually walking off. So there are, uh, it's done in consultation, and families are very aware of what's going on. And um, we're not causing any, you know, inc- any sudden inconvenience to people. Um, but this shows how important this is for us because we cannot back down from this important issue. We can't let it just continue on where educators keep absorbing the cost of early childhood education and care through low wages. That just can no longer continue. And also, you know, there are other issues that we know we need, um, we need to be challenged. And part of the change of the rules also helps with that because in early childhood education, we need industry-wide bargaining to be, to be um, a point where we can work together because at the moment there are too many single employers that we would have to talk to. And so, you know, there are lots of issues that we want to be um, discussing and helping make, you know, find solutions to those problems.
0: And if people want to find out more about the campaign, or if there are early childhood educators out there listening, how can they get involved?
1: Look, I think the best thing you can do is to jump on to the Big Steps website and have a good look at that. But also, in your workforce, you may find you have your, um, Big Steps campaigners there, and um, Social media is there. There are Facebook sites that you can look up about big steps in early childhood education and care. And do contact people and find out. And it's more about us sharing our knowledge and also, you know, being a stronger voice together.
0: All right. And finally, last September, when you walked off, you had a message for the then Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. You said that he needed to fix these issues or that you'd be coming for his job. The Prime Minister has changed. Um, Has your message changed for the new Prime Minister?
1: No, it hasn't, because we, we realise that this government needs to sit down with us and solve this problem together. And it doesn't matter who's in government, they need to fix this problem because it impacts on children, families and educators. And we're not coming for jobs as much as we are coming to change the system.
0: Gary De Vier, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together.
1: OK, thank you very much, Matt.
0: Well, that's all you have time for this week on the show. Thanks to Paul and Kerry for joining us. Listeners in Melbourne can join the Early Childhood Educators at Fed Square at 4pm on Wednesday, the 5th of September. Or for other centres or just more information about their campaign, head to www.bigsteps.org.au. Also, another reminder that if you're listening in Sydney, you can join the mobilisation on Thursday, the 6th of September by getting yourself down to Belmore Park at 10.30am. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can do your part to keep workers' stories on the air by calling your local community radio station and subscribing today. If you want to get in touch with the producers of this show, you can call us on 03 9419 8377 or email us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Stick Together Program. Let us know what you think of the show. We always love to get your feedback. The podcast of this show and other recent episodes can be found by heading over to www.3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. And finally, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. My name's Matt Kunkel. Until next time, stick together.